From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sounds, sound bites, and audio oddities we find all over the world. We go online, on the air, on a wing and a prayer to celebrate the best audio being made on the radio and for the internet. Rock and roll! If you tried to chart the evolution of the rock and roll fan in the same way you might the evolution of man, the figure on the far left, the primitive fan, would probably be a stooped-over, pimply 13-year-old boy who then would morph into a semi-upright frat guy who morphs into a married 30-something, and then finally on the right of the chart is the aging fan, once again stooped, with a beer belly, a bald spot, and a basement full of LPs. Not that girls and women aren't rock and roll fans. I mean, I am. We are. But you have to admit, the iconic image of rock and roll on stage and off is very male. Well, today on ReSound, we'll meet a band that challenges these ideas about rock and roll and gender. Les Zeppelin, that's right, not Led, but Les, is an all-female tribute band that's earned the respect and adoration of rockers young and old, male and female. Their story is told by Amy Jane Hall, a smart, feisty 15-year-old, and Alan, her radio-producing, mediocre guitar-playing father who's skeptical at first that a bunch of women would be able to do his rock gods any real justice. Well, how wrong he turned out to be. Here's Heartbreakers, the story of all-girl Zepp. <laughs> oh, my two favorite things, Zeppelin and lesbians. <laughs> awesome. To be honest with you, I was a bit pissed when I booked it. Right, so I thought it was the male one, but it's a female one, so I was thinking, you know, female band, maybe this is going to be more females in the audience. But seeing what's in there now, it's all men, so I'm going to go back in there and have a little scout, yeah? Heartbreakers, the story of all girls at. I'm Sarah McClellan some way emulating Robert Plant. Um, definitely in the trousers. <laughs> I am Helen Destroy and I... Uh... Do the drumming. And... Um... I'm Lisa Brigantino. I play bass, keyboards, and mandolin. I am encapsulating John Paul Jones. I'm Steph Paines. And I play the guitar. I think everyone can guess who I'm. <laughs> There's only one guy left, and I'm him. Why Led Zeppelin? Why not? Hey. I'm Amy Jane Hall. Hey. And this is my dad. Hey. He's a Zepp fan. Hey. Led Zeppelin is heterosexual music. It is for young men. And I'm not quite sure what's in it for women. Me, to the down my 
It's ridiculously ballsy, yes. It's almost obscene. It's hard to believe, but my dad used to produce classical music programs for the BBC. The way you squeeze my lemon, I'm gonna fall right out of now he just strums Zeppelin tunes really badly. When he heard about this all-girl Led Zeppelin tribute band, he got really quite excited and wanted to make a programme about them, a study of gender in rock. Yeah. I was in a band when I was 14, 15. Played guitar really badly. I tried playing trumpet, but not on any Zeppelin numbers. And perhaps it was more about himself. My dad, as an adolescent. Heartbreaker from Led Zepp 2. Les Zeppelin are fronted by an Australian, Sarah McClellan. But the main man, sort of, is Steph Paynes. She's Jimmy Page. This summer they're playing at Bonnaroo, which is quite big. Last autumn they toured Europe and Dad went to see them in London. He didn't take me. It was a school night. Sometimes I think about it, and I think I must be out of my bloody mind. He thought it might be a bit loud, a bit late, a bit adult. It's the most ridiculous thing anyone's ever done. Who do I think I am? And that's what some of the audience are also wondering. I'll tell you the truth, the reason we're coming here tonight is that one morning I was on the computer, I saw Les Zeppelin. Now I thought it was Led Zeppelin. So I was and then I texted all of my mates, a lot of their old guys, and said quickly it's Led Zeppelin. And because Les Zeppelin. So I booked the tickets. And I said to my husband, who's a big Led Zeppelin fan, we've got to use some Led Zeppelin. And he said, oh, it's a stupid. And then they all looked at it and said, they're all a girl band. And then I thought, well, OK, then, it's a night out. So hence, <laughs> sorry, that's why we're here. Thing is, Dad's still not very good at the guitar. I can still remember the moment when I was sitting on the back of the single-decker Margate to Ramsgate school bus and these boys, maybe two years older than me, were sitting in the back row and one of them unzipped his bag and brought out this record. And I've never seen anything like it. There was no... the band's name wasn't on it or anything like that. But me and my mate, we were tolerated kind of looking at this thing. And they said it was... Uh, Led Zeppelin. It takes a little bit of working into this one.
And this album was clearly a very, very grown-up thing because it was essentially black. And um, you opened it up and it listed the tracks and there were probably only two songs on each side, you know, and on one side, Dazed and Confused. It was the 26 minutes, it was the entire, you know, this is really grown-up music, this is not for children. And I was about 13, clearly on the cusp. And that was no good at all. I wonder if Steph Paynes can do it. Rock? I just got into it all by myself. <laughs> sort of in this little strange, um, maybe it was like a miracle, because <laughs> my parents weren't into it either. My dad is into jazz. Been dazed and confused for so long, it's not true. Wanted a woman, never bargained for you. Lots of people talking, few of them know. But I think that, you know, I was in my own little world and discovered rock and I, I had a friend across the street and she had older brothers and they had, you know, a lot of this music and so sometimes when I would go to her house, I would hear it and I would kind of go through their CDs and their records and stuff. And sometimes I'd make trades, you know, for Teeny Bob stuff and she'd trade their records to me. Which is really very clever of me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was just, I guess, hearing it, seeing it. I just wanted to play the guitar, so I don't know, maybe I'm just a freak. You need cooling, baby, I'm not fooling. I'm gonna send you back to schooling. Way down inside, honey, you Steph Paynes is a hammer driving Les Zeppelin. She dresses the part and plays guitar really well. And she seems to have tapped a nerve with this idea of a female Zepp. I had been between gigs when I kind of came up with the idea and I just thought, literally, if, if I could play anything, what would I play? And I just thought, this is what I would play. I would just love to be in Led Zeppelin and do this kind of thing. It would be so satisfying in every way. And then I just thought, you know, why not do it? It was literally following my bliss, just saying, why not? Go play Led Zeppelin music. It'll be fun. I'll bet, I'll bet you could get gigs and, yeah, you know. I mean, I didn't really know about tribute bands. I'd never been in one. Didn't know anything about the scene. I just really wanted to play the music. So I thought, oh, I'll get, I'll get, and we'll get girls to do it. You know, the last really powerful band I'd been in was with all girls. So I had no doubt I could eventually find them. Stupid, isn't it? And the one that everyone wants to play and that is 
barred from guitar shops. You can't ever play this if you go into a guitar shop. And banned from the house, at least when Mum's at home. I can play it better myself. What? Can you pass me one of those apples? Derek comes out of the theatre, and she was really a dancer who could also quite coincidentally sing. And she was sort of, had just finished a job. I guess she was doing 42nd Street on Broadway. You should see her tap dance. I mean, it's incredible. I might rinse that if I were you. <laughs> Helen, the drummer, is as, I would say, almost as deeply cut by it as I am. She learned the drums by playing John Bonham riffs. So she has a very deep reverence for the music. I do feel very connected to what I'm doing because I love it and, and admire it so much that it, it almost comes out easily. I'm like a one-eyed cat peeking in a seafood store. <laughs> and Lisa is more of an all, you know, she has a master's degree in music. She studied composition. She really can't, this is her first, I would say she's played rock music before, but she's never been in a heavy rock band like this before. For me, uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I love to play this music is it's so challenging, stylistically diverse. It gives me an opportunity to play a lot of different instruments in one concert, in one show, and uh, that keeps me on my toes, so I really like that. So, you've seen this, right? I bought this when I was your age. Now all the pages are coming out. It's Led Zepp complete. And it's printed with this typeface, a huge black, uh, dense letters, Led Zeppelin across the front. And it's got every song in it, album by album. But of course, it's completely useless. It's meaningless, transcribed for piano. This music isn't about notes on paper, it's, it's about the attitude with which it's played. And the thing about Led Zeppelin, say, who devote themselves to this sacred canon of Led Zeppelin's music, is, I mean, they don't just have to play the notes, they have to study every nuance. When you get very deeply into somebody's music in the way that we are at this point, where we've all on our own and collectively have studied what they've done, and this is purely out of love for what they've done, and also in this, you know, desperate attempt to kind of unlock the key to, you know, what makes the greatest rock band tick, you know, what makes it work, you know, I think we're all interested in that. For us it's almost what they would have done if they had been playing live and that's how I kind of, I know, you know, for example with guitar too there are a couple licks that Jimmy Page does, he's got his little signature thing and John Bonham has the same thing, there are drum fills that he uses a lot so I go, alright, what would he have done here? Well mm -hmm. there's this catalogue and I can just kind of pull this and I'm, I'm sure that at some point he did do that here so mm. that feels accurate to me and you know, whatever feels good, and we, we play off each other that way, and that's exciting. One, two, three, four! 
the ocean from Houses of the Holy. Oh, I love this. Four, four, and seven, eight. difficulty any tribute band has, I think, is that popular music is so associated with the voice, with the character of the musicians, with gesture, so that individuality, that signature, is stamped on the music by the makers. Anyone who's trying to emulate that really does have to walk in the shoes of the band. Once you move to a certain space where you're that comfortable as a musician within what you're doing, your own self comes out, your own musical self. And we like to think that that's what's happening for us. I mean, that's at least what we're experiencing on stage, is we're very much expressing ourselves through this music of Led Zeppelin. So whatever girliness or <laughs> sexiness, whatever it is that we've got, is also coming through. We really couldn't stop it, you see. It just happens. There is a bit of them, certainly, that audiences pick up on, and yet there's a lot of us. Sarah McClellan singing songs to the girl who won her heart. 4-4 four, four, and 7-8. Trying to emulate these people or trying to channel them it is one thing, but then vocally, as a woman, I'm never, I'm never really going to sound exactly like Robert, you know? But I think what I try to do is kind of go beyond just the, the vocals and kind of get some sort of, like, sensuality behind it and, and stage presence and passion and power and that sort of thing and challenge him in that way. very much forward to seeing them. Uh, we know very little about them. Uh, we're hoping they're lesbians. Are they lesbians? I don't know. 
that's what they all think. So they do. They all think it's going to be a night. And our mate who's not here, Rob, he's in love. <laughs> the singer. Yeah. Well, no, I think with all of them, really, but especially the singer. Who did I think we were going to play for? I really didn't know until we started. But I just assumed, well, people will probably want to hear this music. And they pro I d it did occur to me that being girls doing it would be a novelty. It would be a twist. But that wasn't primarily the reason. And it wasn't primarily a money-making objective or really anything like that. This was begun out of a pure desire to just explore this music and to see how deep we could get into it. They do get in really deep, with not just the long hair, the right clothes and the bare tummies, but the whole rock and roll posturing thing. They even write their own songs in the Led Zepp style. But they're not just mimicking the postures of the band. It's not just an impersonation, not merely a tribute. It's an homage. I was a little horrified by the tributes. When I finally, someone pointed out to me, I was a little horrified and I decided immediately, I'm not doing that. And a decision was made very early on to not call this a tribute band, to not sign up with the tribute band circuit. Everyone had this idea, oh yeah, we'll get the all-girl ACDC and the all-girl this and we'll put you together and you guys can play together and do a tour and it was like, no. Not doing it. Yeah, so that T-shirt you're wearing, yeah. that's more evidence, that is, that Led Zeppelin live. I bought that in Nebworth in 1979. Uh, I did tell you, didn't I? I saw them twice mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And I used to fit into that little white T-shirt with the Swan Song logo on the front and Led, Zepp um, Led Zeppelin in iconic typeface all around it and then they're both 79. I bought it in a field in Hertfordshire one day when I was a little bit drunk. And we camped really uncomfortably in this field and then had to sit really uncomfortably in another field for about 14 hours waiting for them to come on stage. Still got sweat on it from 30 years I ago. I don't think it's mine. I think that could easily be yours. No. But anyway, they were awesome, as you might say. No, you don't say that anymore. So I bought it when I was 16, and that's what you'll be next birthday. So it must be um, one of the coolest things anyone could possibly wear to a gig in South London. What goes around, huh? Son, and he was brought up listening to Led Zeppelin tracks and he loves Led Zeppelin as much as I do and I'm quite old so I remember them and so is he, so does he. And we just think, I haven't seen Led Zeppelin before but I think if you get four girls that can do Led Zeppelin, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how girls actually can replicate you know, the greatness of Led Zeppelin.
On stage, Les Zeppelin embody Led Zeppelin, but in female form. The gig was amazing, really loud, 100% pure Zeppelin, except Zeppelin with other bits. But this isn't Led Zeppelin. No, but it's not so far off. It's got the same amplified primal insistence, riff-based and raunchy. They're not playing games with this music. I think a lot of people are kind of expecting it to be some sort of circus act and some sort of gimmick. And we love that sort of, like, scepticism because then it gives us an opportunity to really kind of blow them away and they become very loyal fans then. And they were playing to this swelling sea of unappetising men of a certain age who still feel every riff, every thunderous drum break. They mean it, Lesette. My definition of authentic is not simply to go and play the same notes they played. And when we get on stage, once we know the material and can play it, that's not even the point. The point is to be completely and totally there in the sound, in the music, in the spirit that you've created. It's, it's almost like creating a spell. And once you're in that magical place, then let it happen. Kashmir from Physical Graffiti. Now this is a magical Zep place. Kashmir. Quintessential, epic, classic. As a mature man now, well, not very mature man, I would suggest that pretty well all pop and rock music is fundamentally adolescent. It's that rebel yell, isn't it? It's that sort of sticking two fingers up at the establishment. It's a kind of posturing. But within it, there is some music that's slightly more on the grown-up end of things. That classic golden era stuff, Zeppelin, Hendrix, Marvin Gaye. But it is also adolescent because of the swagger that comes with the music. It's about young men full of themselves and their own importance. Strutting. Ooh, yeah. 
is it primarily adolescent? It might be. It might, it might have its roots in that. I mean, it certainly appeals to that very well. I sometimes feel like an adolescent boy. <laughs> But I can tell you that the strutting your stuff as a female is very sexually effective, how, how about we say that, for a male audience and a female audience. I mean, they get turned on by watching women do this the same way that they might as watching men. And they certainly are turned on by watching men do it. It's funny how the music of young men with long hair who scream like girls is now being performed by screaming young women with long hair who are girls. I get out there and I still am sexual in a female way, but there's something about this music, mm. and it's not a conscious thing at mm. all, that there is some sort of masculine aspect about the way that I'm carrying myself out there you know, it's it's this blend mm. of both. So the people in the audience, mm. men and women, are yeah, both attractive. attracted to this thing. And it doesn't matter what kind of sexual orientation you have, it's an attraction and it, it's it's like an unexplained, it's just, it's there. It's a pure, sexual, animalistic thing. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. If you're not bringing sex to it, it's not Zeppelin. Robert Plant and, and Jimmy Page were so feminine on stage, it wasn't mm. even funny. You know, they may have been some of the biggest cock rockers out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. <laughs> but the way they carried themselves and the way they dressed and Robert's whole little flopped hand over, you know, his all of his kind of movements. In many ways, I think I'm more masculine than Robert. Led Zeppelin are so sure in their sexuality that they can even allow for this play between Robert Plant wearing a blouse and Jimmy Page exposing his tummy and wearing a spangly jacket. So to my eyes, as an adolescent boy, it never suggested anything other than a kind of full-blooded male heterosexuality. time it's a very feminine empowerment I think all of that was at work especially among their audience of you know adolescent males which supposedly was their audience by and large 14 to 21 year old guys in the US who I think were feeling extremely turned on by Led Zeppelin and not really knowing you know why or how and it doesn't really matter but I think the whole sexual power of it I think they were into the band for whatever reason, and I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing, really. 
But I think, you know, they weren't sitting there, I want to sleep with Robert Plant, although some of them have admitted that. Yeah, they have. Come to us after shows. Not until now when they feel afraid to say, oh, yeah, I want to sleep with Sarah McClellan, you know. Do they realize, you know, it's okay to want to sleep with Robert Plant? <laughs> Suddenly the headlines will be all Led Zeppelin fans gay. Want to <laughs> want to sleep with Robert Plant? <laughs> says says Led Zeppelin guitarist. She also says she wants to sleep with Sarah McLaughlin. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I'd rather have young women doing it than nasty old men thinking they're young, cool and sexy. There's something about this music, us all being women, and there's, there's really a sense on stage sometimes where I'm like, you know what, we are rocking harder than they did. People have this misnomer of cock rock, if you will, which I actually hate that term. And I think it's wrong, wrongly used here, because I think that if you really look at Led Zeppelin's canon, what you'll find is an incredible um, array of all sorts of dynamic things. Yes, very hard, very heavy rock and roll, but also beautiful, light, acoustic, Celtic-tinged melodies and... A, a lot of songs that have extreme dynamic in them. The queen of light took her bow. Zeppelin aren't really a heavy band at all. They bring together Delta Blues with English folk, loud with quiet, and Sandy Denny, the queen of light. She was the original Zepp girl, I suppose. The Battle of Evermore from the untitled fourth album. The members of Led Zeppelin had a lot of different musical influences, including, you know, people like Joni Mitchell, who I think nobody would think of as a male, <laughs> you know, cock rocker. You know, I mean, she's one of the, our leading, if not one of our greatest singer-songwriters and very quote-unquote feminine. You're listening to Heartbreakers, the story of all girls up with me, Amy Jane Hall, on ABC Radio Nationals, Into the Music.
is where Dad goes off into a world of his own. He's got this white man sings the blues thing, or an American woman plays the blues thing. And just like Steph Payne's, he loves Since I've Been Loving You, even now. Thing is, when they're doing songs like I Can't Quit You Babe or In My Time of Dying, or my personal favourite, Since I've Been Loving You, it's where the band's completely at their peak. And since I've been loving you, well, first of all, it's in C minor, which is, you know, not the most common blues key. You know, everyone's playing an E, everyone's playing an A. C minor, you know, it's trickier. So kudos to them. You get all the light and the shade. You get the volume and you get the softness. You get the tightness and the looseness. You get all of those things. Usually the fifth of the blues, the five chord, is a major chord, as in any basic chord progression. In synths, it's not. It's a minor. So you go to the fifth, it's G minor. And that changes the whole thing right at the onset. Steph Payne's models the Les Zepp performance of Since I've Been Loving You on the LA Forum gig of 1972. And it means something beyond the words, beyond Since I've Been Loving You, beyond the heartache, beyond all the strutting. It means something much more profound, something essentially untranscribable. And makes it, in my opinion, really, really interesting and luscious, you know? Oh 
And then, of course, at the end, it goes to this E-flat major chord, and it's almost like the whole song then lifts to another level, and it's, it's, it gets even higher, you know. That's what happens with it. And it just completely, you know, it's volcanic at that point, at the end of this very intense blues. Sadly, of course, I learned to play all these songs when I was 15, and 30 years later... Thank you. ..they're still the only songs I can play. The only songs he still can't play. He doesn't like to think that his 15-year-old daughter might be able to play his favourite music better than he can. was never a sense of old school or male, particularly male rock or anything like that. I never really thought of it that way, and I still don't. To me, it's just damn good. But wow, it is beloved text, this stuff. Dad's secret love revealed. Right, you've got to see this. The, uh, the third album, which is the folky one, with the bizarre cover and everything. Now, it's got this, it's got this dial within the front sleeve, and the thing was you could identify Led Zeppelin fans' allegiance by who they had appearing in the window, because there you see there are holes cut in the front of the sleeve and images of the band appear underneath. And, there's Jimmy Page, for example, with some flowers. I wasn't actually interested in Jimmy Page and the flowers. What I was interested in... Oh, that's John Bonham. But this was my favourite position. You could line up the images so that in the big one to the right, you've got the kind of black and white, shady John Paul Jones. And then you also get John Paul Jones in this little one on the left. So that was my favourite position for Led Zeppelin 3.
but I would not be standing at the front of a Led Zeppelin gig 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right, with an erection, because that would make me gay, and I'm not gay. <laughs> um, they were more Zepp and Les. Les. Excellent. They're excellent. They came on, interaction, brilliant. Stage presence, fantastic. Music, the dogs. They were more Zepp and less they were more Les. Les. I don't think they, they were teasing the male yeah. well, audience. No, 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 no. A lot of Les yeah. Zeppelin lyrics are, About are sexy. Maybe. There was, yeah. a, there was yeah. a bit of pouting and um, uh, kind of trying to look at me. She's got a lovely bum, uh, anyway. Who? <laughs> who? Yeah, singer. That's not the issue. Uh, it didn't matter that they were women, but what was nice was it was nice to see women doing music that only men think they can do. Yes, agreed, yes. There is a very large audience that loves this music and they want to hear us do it. And they're coming to see how this music is performed in this day and age with this group of people, yeah. with, with our own take on the material. You know, when it comes time for a solo, the solos are, are informed by the way that person may be played, but they're not note for note. Right. So we can really bring ourselves to the party and you really feel that you're you are being creative even though you're playing someone else's music. Led Zeppelin too. Amy, what's your favourite Led Zeppelin song? I pretty much like it all, really. Do you like it amplified or do you like it acoustic? I quite like acoustic stuff. Do you like the American blues or do you like the English folk? <laughs> I like English folk. And who's your favourite band member? I like Robert Plant. Oh yeah, why do you like Robert Plant? Because he just, he's, I don't know, he's nice. Do you know who my favourite is? Yep. Who's my favourite? John Paul McCain. We get so many people who come up to us after shows and said, you know, Led Zeppelin are my favourite band in the world and I never got a chance mm. to see them. So for me, you are the only live experience of this music I've ever had and that is so special and so incredibly precious to them. And I think and now, mm. and us mm -hmm. too, yes. Mm -hmm. I love being responsible for that experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think about your old man having seen this uh, band that's kind of the talk of your generation actually in concert? Quite jealous, really. 
I mean, every once in a while, there's someone who stands in front of you and they stutter and they can't speak. Some grown man who said, you know, I'm a grown man and you made me weep during that solo or whatever. I mean, how great is that? I'm never going to see them, like, for real. But I suppose you might let me see Les Zepp. We could go. Go to Bonnaroo? Not Bonnaroo. If they come back to London, we could go. Yeah. Bonnaroo? Being accepted and applauded for being this woman that hasn't always been what we've been told to be. And to have success from it and... You know, to have people respect and, and love you for it is such an incredible feeling and I think that is what, for me, is so hard to describe because I don't quite know how I got here. People know what they are getting when they're getting good Led Zeppelin, you know. And they're stunned because they really don't think we can do it. So we're almost spoon-feeding this idea to them that, that women can play by giving them something familiar and then saying, all right, here, you know, I've just painted like uh, Da Vinci. Check that out. There will still be you and me. you try too hard to be exactly what they were, I actually think it's, it's, it sounds less like them. Because you know what? It's never going to be that. I don't care how good you are. It's just not. But that would be really beside the point. Heartbreakers, the story of all-girl Zepp was produced by Katie Burningham and presented by Amy Jane Hall with Alan Hall for Falling Tree Productions, based in London. You're listening to ReSound. I'm Gwen Maxi. Ugh, I hate heavy metal. And even though he grew up listening to it, so does radio producer John Moe. But turns out, his children love it. And rather than ban it from the house, leaving them to learn about it later in life from complete strangers, John decided that they needed to find out about it first at home, from their father. Here's Children of Metal. I had heard great things about this band, Wolf Mother, so I downloaded this song, Dimension, and played it for my kids. They loved it. Can we listen to Wolf Mother again? My only problem, it's heavy metal. See, I grew up in the suburbs in the 80s. I have a lot of unhappy teenage metal memories. Leather wristbands, Camaros, mullets, violence. 
But then I went to college, moved to the city, subscribed to The New Yorker. Now I usually listen to stuff like this. I shun metal. But better my kids learn about it from me than on the streets. So, how do I design a heavy metal curriculum? I looked up Kevin Dubrow from the band Quiet Riot. This guy. Well, I think you need to start with uh, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix? Yeah, absolutely. He was definitely one of the founding fathers of heavy metal. Hendrix was incredibly heavy. Listen to Foxy Lady of Purple Haze. So I gathered the kids for heavy metal lessons. Charlie is six, Kate is four. Nobody had ever sounded like Jimi Hendrix before. And you hear that big, heavy guitar sound? Yeah. So that big, heavy guitar sound is a big part of heavy metal. Black Sabbath proved trickier, especially lead singer Ozzy Osbourne. And he went a little crazy, and he bit the head off of a bat. What do you mean? We dropped Ozzy and moved on to Led Zeppelin. Blasted through Whole Lot of Love, Misty Mountain Hop, and Cashmere. The kids dug Zeppelin. Those killer hooks, Robert Plant's scream. I dug it, too. But then the kids wanted to know if we could go see them sometime. Well, their drummer died, and then the rest of the guys decided that they didn't want to be in a band together anymore. Drummer died. Um, I think he drank too much bad stuff, like grown-up drinks, like beer and wine and stuff. He, he drank a lot of those. Like, he didn't drink any stuff from, what? Like water? I was ruining everything. My kids were suddenly frightened and sad. They loved metal, but now the genre was full of bad eaters and drummers who didn't drink enough water. No fun. But some heavy metal bands were lots of fun. There was Skid Row in the 80s. Big hair, big smiles, spandex, fun. I tracked down their former lead singer, Sebastian Bach. He's also the father of two and told me the scholarly approach was off base. Concentrate on the music, not behind the music. Um, have fun with it, because rock and roll, number one, is fun. Like when I was a kid, me and my buddies would, would crank up our favorite record and, and get tennis rackets or shovels or whatever and just rock out in our bedrooms for hours and be exhausted. And I never thought that that really literally is what I would do for a living. <laughs> he sounds happy. Suddenly, inspiration struck. And heavy metal wasn't just something we listened to. Is there any, like, young metal, like, heavy metal bands or anything? I don't know if there are any with six-year-olds, but you could be the first if you want. Can we make a band in our family? What do you want to call our heavy metal band? The Fighting Ninjas. I'm going to be the singer. How about we design T-shirts, but in different sizes? I, I have one from Talk Polly Pockets. How does Polly Pockets go? Polly Pockets. Turns out my bad memories of heavy metal were just memories of bad times where metal happened to be playing. And kids were a gateway to redemption and joy. I'm metal again, just not so heavy.
Children of Metal by John Moe, host of Weekend America, where this story originally aired. ReSound is a production of the Third Coast International Audio Festival, an independent media arts organization in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. ReSound is produced by Delaney Hall and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. The Third Coast Festival is made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, with additional funding from the National Endowment for the Arts and sponsorship from Chicago's Navy Pier, American Airlines, and ExploreChicago.org, the city of Chicago's official tourism website. The festival is produced in partnership with the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University, and it was founded by Chicago Public Radio. Music for ReSound is provided by Reckless Records in Chicago. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else, unless you live everywhere else. <laughs>